Alrighty, good morning, everybody. It is Monday morning. Wiz, we are three months away from the start of the NFL season. How about that? Yeah, it gets on top of you uh, quicker than you think, and uh, you know uh, things are happening, and uh, still a lot of drama surrounding the Aaron Rodgers uh, situation. Uh, the Sean Watson situation appears more and more likely that you know I don't think he's going to be. I, I just think it's it's more unlikely that Deshaun Watson is not going to play football this year than it is uh, likely. And uh, the Aaron Rodgers situation is just bizarre, and uh, and uh, and it just seems like every day there's uh, as it inches closer, it looks like this is really becoming a, a real standoff here between uh, him coming into camp or not playing all the season. Something. That is kind of shocking uh, for an MVP can for the, for the for winner of the MVP the, the season before. So uh, a lot of unusual things going on here. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned both those players. Uh, you know, they, 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 there's still a discussion about the, continue to hear the Denver Broncos being involved uh, in either of those players or the desire of Watson to play for that team. Right now, Watson, like you said, uh, has a better chance of not playing football than playing football this year based on the investigation the NFL is currently conducting. And I think the Rodgers thing is complicated. Teammates are kind of being brought into it. it it's just really messy. Um, it's going to be a distraction at the moment. I, I guess the one good thing in the background right now, you do have um, the the OTAs that are going on where players are expected to be present. And, you know, there's some the lots of reports coming out from them, how some of the rookies have looked, how some of the veterans have looked. You know, I think this is stuff that you got to start paying attention to. You, you don't want to be a Jimmy O where you're looking at this stuff in the last week of August – I think there's a foundation that's being formed here, and you do want to pay attention. And Wizard and I have talked about this before in terms of where you get your information from. Look, Twitter's a very valuable um, uh, form of insight, uh, especially when you're following some of the beat writers, guys that are now, last year they couldn't sit there. They're sitting there right now. They're watching every rep. So you, you, there's a lot more news that's, that's coming out and, and needs to be disseminated. So a very normal, a much more normal, I would say, uh, preseason than we saw last year and I think it bodes well for a lot of these rookie players and and, and we've talked about second year guys guys that got kind of gypped last year when they weren't able to kind of get the proper preparation that you would see before a regular season but I'm getting really excited about it Um, you know going over and Wiz and I have been doing uh, some analysis here we're talking about wide range of outcomes uh, on particular players at each position Wiz, I started digging into this receiver position and you know I started getting into like the 80s and 90s in terms of rankings on receivers. And it is just unbelievable. I mean, look, the game has changed, no question about it. But it's unbelievable how deep the wide receiver position is. Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's, it's the deepest position by a lot. And uh, quite frankly, I think you win your leagues at this position because um, I think at the other positions – there's a little bit of a pecking order and everybody kind of knows who the sure things are, you know, except injuries, which you can't forecast. But honestly, when you look at uh, the way fantasy football is set up now, I believe the wide receiver position is the position you win. You, you, this is the position that you win your league because um, there were just so many players to your point that people have uh, maybe outside their top, 
20 and 30 and 40 or even near 50 that could be wide receiver one. And and if you can get one or two of those players um, and you're going to get them at an auction draft or even a, a snake draft and they're ranked as that and you get them for a dollar or two in an auction draft, you get them very, very late rounds 14 or something like that in, a, in an auction, in a snake draft, that sets you up um, for the rest of your team and the rest of your draft. And uh, every year there are those type of players that um, have the potential and do finish in uh, top 10 or 15 at the position that are ranked way, way away from that. So uh, I believe in fantasy football. This is the position that wins you your league. Yeah, and that's a very bold statement, and I, and I, and I concur with it. Um, you know, most leagues are playing some form of PPR, whether it's half PPR or full PPR. Uh, the game has definitely changed. It, it caters towards the passing game. Running back usage is very different. So I, I think you highlight uh, something in particular that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, Wiz, looking at a few of these teams, I, I don't know if you, got, if you have the same impression of me. There's about five or six teams in the NFL where it's difficult for me to say when I look at the assembly of the receivers that these teams have – which wide receiver, again, this is barring injury, but which wide receiver amongst that group will actually be the number one receiver in the group? I, I think I think with five or six teams, it's actually a very difficult call. Yeah, I think, uh, I, I think you know, you have some of these teams where, um, and I'm going to talk about one of, you know, one of the wide receivers on, on, on one of those teams that you're talking about. Um, it, there are different circumstances. One receiver could be a rookie. Another could be a guy that was signed over as a free agent. Another maybe doesn't have much playing time or experience with that quarterback. Another has experience playing. So I, I think I think the dynamics are interesting, and uh, I, I agree with that. And uh, you know we're going to talk about that. So why don't we uh, why don't we get right to it? Why don't we get into the wide receivers? that we feel uh, have the, the widest range of outcomes. And uh, I, I'm going to start off with a receiver that uh, was a perennial number one wide receiver these last couple of years in Mike Thomas. And I think for the first time, um, probably since his rookie season, th- there there's a wide range of outcomes for Mike Thomas. And it, I, I'm, you know, I know he had some off the field stuff last year separate from his injuries, but you know, the one thing about Drew Brees, and, and it was apparent that Drew Brees' arm strength had, had really, you know, been been reduced to um, not being able to really get the ball down the field, um, especially his last year. But Drew Brees excelled at two things. Um, getting his team in the right play, he understood what the defense was going to do, and he would just be a master of that. Maybe I think a case could be made that he was the greatest of all time about understanding what the defense was doing and getting his team in the right play. And two, throwing that slant pass to Mike Thomas over the years where it, it was just like they were in such harmony. Now enter Jameis Winston, where he doesn't make the best decisions and he's erratic with that slant pass. I know that, you know, a lot of people still have Mike Thomas in there as, you know, a top three or a top five guy. And could he be the number one fantasy wide receiver this year? Yeah, I think there's a case that he could be, but could he also be outside of the top 12 or 15? Yes. I think that is the case as well. So I think for Mike Thomas, 
with the situation of bringing in an erratic quarterback from one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the history of the NFL, I think, in my opinion, leads to a wide range of outcomes for that wide receiver. Yeah, great analysis, Wiz. I have Mike Thomas on my list as well. You know, Mike Thomas is a very different player, and I know you know. I guess the counter counter punch to what you you and I think is that well, Jameis Winston was able to throw for five thousand yards in Tampa Bay. We know what he did with you know for Chris Godwin and for uh, Mike Mike. Uh, Mike Evans, uh, the previous year when, when Winston threw for over 5,000 yards, uh, certainly threw for a lot of interceptions as well, and, and that was a big impact uh, overall on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who, who came back to win a Super Bowl. But I think there's a very different style of play that, that Mike Thomas does play um, and, and the patterns that he runs and, and where he's effective, and I'm, I'm not sold that he can do that. And I think, uh, to your point, could he be the top a top three receiver this year? Yes, I currently have him ranked outside the top ten. That's for me, um, and I could see him easily slipping below, you know, in, into kind of like that fifteen twenty five range, depending on how things go. And again, look, let, let's say Winston's not getting it, and then you inject uh, someone like Taysom Hill into the lineup again. I don't know that that necessarily works particularly well either for Mike Thomas. So the range of outcomes on this player, I, I think, are, are high given what he's done in the past and given the situation that he's in currently. Yeah, I mean, I'll, you know, I'll let you get to your your receiver, but you know, to the point about he threw for big yards. Mike Evans is one of the best fifty-fifty ball catches in the NFL and you know that style and they were always trailing and and throwing it up to him and if it was a catch if it was a touchdown if it was interception didn't seem like it was any big deal you make those kind of throws uh with a Sean Payton team and uh you'll be watching Taysom Hill play quarterback for the rest of the year so uh I I understand about the yards and the stats but Mike Thomas runs those precision precision routes those slant routes and uh that has not been the best um the the best type of pass for Jameis Winston to throw over the years. So we'll see how that plays out. So who uh, who's first on your list? First guy on my list, I'm actually going to go a little bit further down on the list. Not, not necessarily, I guess, in, in most people, probably outside the top 20, 25, but, but a guy that I've got a, a close eye on based on what he did last year. Now, granted, what he did last year had to, a lot to do with the injuries uh, on this roster, but... Yeah, I felt that Brandon Ayuk was one of the most exciting rookies that we've seen in a long time uh, at the receiver position. A dynamic guy, uh, especially the way he runs patterns, uh, his yards after catch, his ability to run the ball uh, in, in this offense. And I think he is a guy that potentially has a lot more upside. That was just really a preview. Even though you have a George Kittle and a Debo Samuel in this offense, the quarterback situation will probably be something that will be scrutinized very closely as we go over the season. Jimmy G likely to start. Do, do we see Trey Lance at some point over the season? I, I think a possibility in that, depending on how things go in San Francisco. But I but I do think there's a wide range of outcomes on, on Ayuk in that he takes that next leg up, and he's actually showed us last year that he's he's really the number one receiver on this roster outside of George Kittle. Um, or Debo Samuel is able to stay on the field a little bit more and, and be a more integral part of this offense, something that we did not see last year. But I think the range of outcomes on Ayuk, where you could see him kind of fade if Samuel kind of steps up his game and if you know guys like Kittle and the running game are, are a bigger part of this. But I don't know. There's a part of me that says what Brandon Ayuk showed us for part of last season is something that might stick around and endure a lot longer. So Brandon Ayuk's the first guy on my list, Wiz. 
I think Brandon, I, I have Brandon Ayuk on my list as well. Uh, and I think this wide receiver is um, where he ends up as far as the results of the 2021 season fantasy-wise is directly is directly tied to whether it's Trey Lance or Garoppolo quarterbacking. Um, I think if it's Garoppolo, I think he'll be okay. And I think where he's ranked, uh, you know, whatever, 30, 35, I think that's about right if it's Garoppolo because I, I just think those wide receivers are kind of reduced to pedestrian-type routes, um, an extension of the running game, jet sweeps, they're both physical receivers. You can get them the ball uh, and, and let them run with it, you know, on short passes. But, you know, if Trey Lance enters the picture, and I'm assuming it's not, well, maybe not. I, I mean, I'm not sure how it's going to play out. If if he's playing well and the 49ers are winning, uh, maybe they will stick with Garoppolo. But if Trey Lance is in there, then I think you're going to see a lot more of what Brandon Ayuk can do. So I definitely agree with the range of outcomes. But it is directly tied to the quarterback in this one where I think if it's Garoppolo, he's kind of just going to be an okay. And we'll have a lot of games where it's pedestrian touchdown dependent, um, that, that sort of thing. I just don't have confidence in a lot of volume and big plays of Garoppolo's quarterback. All right. Love it. Um, Next player on my list is Kenny Galladay. Um, I just think in terms of pocket presence, pocket awareness, extending plays, the ability to hold onto the ball and still look down the field. There's such a disparity between what he played with with Matt Stafford and what he's going to have now in Daniel Jones. Uh, Daniel Jones just doesn't show that he he's willing to throw the type of passes that you have to do with Kenny Galladay, which is kind of trust that even when he's covered, you throw him the ball, he goes and gets the 50-50, he has a different type of skill set than a lot of receivers and um, I just think there's a real chance for Kenny Galladay not to live up to that massive contract and be a fantasy football disappointment or if there could be a big transformation from Daniel Jones which you know I know Giants fans and a lot of people are kind of hoping for then his athletic ability and the skill that he has can be utilized so Kenny Galladay, in my opinion, is the poster boy for wide receivers for wide range of fantasy outcomes where, you know, just last year, you, you were so high on him, you predicted, you know, whatever, he had injuries, but you predicted he would be the number one fantasy wide receiver. And I could see a scenario where he's not even fantasy relevant this year, where he may be outside wide receiver three even. So a wide range of Galladay, and if you're at auction drafts, you got to let price dictate what you're going to do with that player. So it's interesting. Last year, Galloway only played in, I think he only played four games for the Lions, if I'm not mistaken, last year. Um, if you look at the four games he played and what he did, um, you know, he, he, I think he had 28 catches for 477 yards and three touchdowns uh, in those four games which is a tremendous, obviously, from a fantasy perspective. You, if you send that out of, over a 17-game season, 
prorates to quite a quite a strong season. He's on my list as well. I'm concerned for a couple of other reasons too. I actually think there's a lot of mouths to feed here with the Giants. You know, the Giants added Tony in the draft. They brought John Ross in. We know Darius Slayton is here. Sterling Shepard's here. Um, you mentioned the, the, the situation with Daniel Jones, and I, I tend to agree with it. I think the one question I have for you is... Are you seeing, I'm curious where you're ranking currently Galladay. I'm seeing Galladay currently ranked somewhere in that kind of 20 to 30 range. Um, Is that where you see the player preseason, or do you think he's outside that? I am definitely worried that he is not going to live up to this big contract and the billing that he had as a Detroit Lion. And it's a to me, it looks like a more conservative offense that's going to be run by Joe Judge and the Giants. So... I don't think he's going to live up to it personally. I think he's going to underperform the contract. You know, we're in the New York metropolitan area here. I'm sure there'll be a lot of excitement and buzz around the player come draft time. There tends to be a little bit of premium on New York guys uh, if you live in the area. But uh, Kenny Galladay concerns me this year. Uh, I'm more concerned on the downside than I think he, he will uh, He will surprise us on the upside. Yeah, I think, you know, he, it's kind of it's kind of baked into the cake where he's being ranked. I, I think, you know, people are looking at that and they just can't figure it out. So they kind of rank him somewhere between 25 and 30. And I think that's about right. Borderline wide receiver two, wide receiver three, more comfortable. But uh, I think there's a lot of ranges uh, of outcome. And, uh, you know, I'm not so much concerned with the pecking order because I just think, uh, you know, he's going to be the number one wide receiver or one competition as a rookie. And I think some of those other receivers, you know, kind of, you know, not don't bring the explosiveness that Galladay brings. Just, I'm so worried about that chemistry and connection between the quarterback and receiver. So uh, agree that uh, there's a, a decent chance that he does not live up to that whopping four years, $72 million contract that he got and uh with that said who's uh who's next on your list okay i'm going way down for this one Uh, i'm curious i'm going to be very curious if this player is on your list number one uh and number two uh i think you'll probably agree with the reasoning so watching the super bowl last year um i I think was i commented to you during the game uh, you know i thought i I thought mccall hardman looked like he was in a coma during that game Uh, you have a situation in kansas city where it's the Probably the best quarterback uh, in the league in Patrick Mahomes, uh, I think both in real life and in fantasy. Uh, we know that Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are big presences on this, on this team. Uh, 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 Watson, uh, Sammy Watkins has gone from this team. They still have Demarcus Robinson. Uh, Cornell Powell is a guy that's been talked about a lot. But a guy that started getting a little bit more targets toward the, towards the end of the season, and they already started talking about him again. They were talking about this player at the beginning of last year. It just never evolved, though. He started to see more targets. Is a player named Byron Pringle, uh, Kansas City Chief wide receiver. And the Kansas City Chiefs have a void to fill. Uh, you know, Sammy Watkins technically was their number two receiver. I think after that, it was a real hodgepodge. I mean, there's a lot of people, including myself, that thought thought Hardman would take that next step up. He didn't do it. I thought he looked like he had a lot of lapses in concentration, bad routes. And, you know, aside from those kind of home run balls that once in a while Mahomes is able to connect with him, I'm not sold on this guy being the next guy in the pecking order in Kansas City. And Pringle's getting attention. Uh, he's way down in a lot of lists now. I could be completely wrong, and Powell and, and Hardman could really 
outperform him and, and Pringle's reduced to the number five option in his passing offense. But I think he's, there's a chance that this guy could be the number thir- three receiver on this offense. I don't think Demarcus Robinson has necessarily show, showed us a lot, but Byron Pringle is a name that I'm watching very closely, especially on an offense that likes to toss the ball around the yard. I agree. I mean, I think I think the category I would put him in the you know under is something you mentioned, maybe a player to watch and a guy who could move up as far as like wide range of outcomes. Well, I mean, you know, where he's being ranked, you know, outside the top fifty or sixty or seventy, whatever. So I don't think there's any downside to the player, and I think he could you know you know outperform where he's being uh, where he's being ranked now. I, I, my concern about anybody else on the receiving, you know, as far as pass, pass catches go, I mean, if you're not number 10 or number 87, uh, you know, you, you'll get some opportunities just because the quarterback is so great, but uh, the lion's share of the stuff is going to go to Hill and Kelsey and, uh, and everyone else is kind of just uh, a role player that will will, you know, from time to time have good games. I think if something, you know, and we've seen injuries happen to Hill uh, the last couple of years where he's missed a couple of weeks or even lengthier absences, I think then he becomes a lot more interesting. But uh, as far as existing roster goes, um, I, I, I agree that he's a, a player to keep your eye on. All right, good stuff, Wiz. Who's, who's your next player at the wide receiver position? My next player is a guy, is a wide receiver that you have had a real fascination with, even uh, when he was with his last year or two with the Jets, Robbie Anderson. Um, This is such an interesting player to me because he gets to be reunited with Sam Donald and the wide range of outcomes for Sam Donald himself. So I think Robbie Anderson is a guy that is so difficult to rank and is such um, a wide range of outcomes where he's being listed right now probably solid as a as a, a wide receiver three in your top 35 or right around then. But I think there's a real chance for Robbie Anderson to move up the boards and be, you know, they got a rookie in there and wide receiver that they drafted in Marshall and DJ Moore. But the, 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 the board is wiped clean as far as stats from the past go. And Robbie Anderson has the upper hand by having a pretty good rapport with Sam Donald. The question is, is you know, what Sam Donald are you going to get? Are you going to get the guy with the confidence and the arrogance that the Jets drafted, or are you going to get the guy that told Adam Gacy seemed ghost when he played the Patriots? So the wide range of outcomes for Sam Donald is directly tied to the wide range of outcomes for, I think, Robbie Anderson. And I know you've liked the player um, in the past, and uh, I think he is one of the more intriguing fantasy-wide receivers for the upcoming season. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, he is he is my, he's on my list as well. Uh, it's, it's interesting, last year, if you look at his season, he was on fire in the first half of the season, and then it was the Curtis Samuel show, kind of like the last four or five games for the Carolina Panthers, DJ Moore as well. Uh, you know, 
Curtis Samuel's obviously moved on. I, to me, the most intriguing thing about this player is the, is the reuniting. In an, first of all, this is not an Adam Gase offense. This is now you know Joe Brady's offense, which is a lot more dynamic. And Sam Donald has an affinity for the player. He had it when he was with the Jets. So so I'm very excited about the pairing of these two players. And, and I do see upside where you know very yeah like like you said he's probably ranked around number 30 right now. Um, if Sam Donald really comes in and, and wows everybody, you know could could could. Robbie Anderson be looking at it like a ten touchdown, thousand yard season. I think that's very doable and puts them it puts that player in the kind of the top fifteen, top twenty. Uh, but it could be a year where Donald is is, is the ghost seeing player that uh, that you mentioned. So I, I think Robbie Anderson is a very intriguing player. I like the choice. All righty. So uh, with that said, uh, who do you got next on your list? All right, the ne- next guy I have is actually Russell Gage uh, for the Atlanta Falcons. And I think, you know, you look at the Falcons situation, and, and certainly Julio Jones is no longer there. They traded him out. Last year when Julio was out, Russell Gage was really the number two receiver on this team. I had a couple of big, big games for the Atlanta Falcons. Now, granted, there is a new uh, head coach there in Arthur Smith, so there might be some changes offensively. So there are some risks in this. They have, they have the kid Zacchaeus from uh, – from Virginia, who's a who's a speedy guy, but not 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 as durable, not as, not as big a guy as, as Gage is. We know Kyle Pitts is here. Uh, you know, I, I expect a big season from Kyle Pitts. He's probably going to be the number two pass catcher in this offense. But I think some people have kind of discounted what Gage did last year and 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 aren't necessarily super high that he'll be able to continue doing what he's doing. I'm not quite sold on that. I think he had a number of big games when he was targeted. He was able to have a very, very good rapport with Matt Ryan. So I, I think there is some upside for the player, but at the same time, if, if Kyle Pitts just wows everybody and Zacchaeus is actually able to stay on the field a little bit more and, and make some big plays in this offense, there is some downside. So, so I think you could see both sides for Russell Gage. I know he's not ranked particularly high, probably somewhere in the top, like kind of between 40 and 55 in, in that range. But I could see him kind of bursting higher here in an offense that, again, Matt Ryan is still a very, very capable quarterback, and there are a lot of targets to be dispersed. And it really – this is going to kind of play into where, where Kyle Pitts, how he evolves as a player, as a rookie, and, uh, and again, some of the rapport that, that Gage has already uh, produced with, with Matt Ryan. Yeah, I think there's a lot of interesting things about Russell Gage. I I do not have that player currently on my board ranked inside the top 50. So for me, there's not much downside because, you know, where where are you going to go? I mean, I don't have him ranked as a wide receiver four even. So uh, not much downside for me. he had a career, you know, a year as far as targets go. Uh, concerning is he averaged uh, less than 10 yards a catch. Um, and now enters Kyle Pitts, and he has that, and Matt Ryan already has that amazing rapport with Calvin Woodley. And you mentioned uh, Case and, and, you know, Darby's in the picture now as well. So I think, uh, you know, there's some interesting things. If, it, you know, you start reading what's going on and Russell Gage, just secure that other starting wide receiver spot, then he becomes uh, more of an interesting player within that offense. So I, I put him under the same category as I would Pringle, where I think he's a, a player to keep your eye on and see uh, where he is on the depth chart. Okay. Very good, Wiz. All right. Who's next, next for you? Next on my list was uh, the first wide receiver taken in last year's draft, who's not even ranked in the top 50, unbelievably, this year, and that's Henry Ruggs. Um, 
and uh, I don't believe he was utilized correctly, nor do I think he's the player that uh, CeeDee Lamb, Jefferson, uh, or Jerry Judy are. Uh, I thought he was was ridiculous and that he was the first wide receiver taken, but now I think there could be some value on the wide receiver coming into this year because um, he's really... You know, off the radar for most people. Um, and like I said, um, he, the, I'm not sure it was the usage, the player, a combination of the thing. But I think there's a real chance for Henry Ruggs right there. And he was overvalued by the Raiders last year where they took him and in the fantasy football community where he was ranked. I think there could be some value. So I, I think Henry Ruggs has a chance to go from fantasy football you know completely irrelevant this year where he kind of was last year to being getting himself in that wide receiver three mix so i can see a range of outcomes of henry ruggs from kind of like 30 to 60 which is uh pretty wide and uh i think value in the price has got to be a guard you know your guide for this player uh coming into this year i'm not sure what your thoughts are on the player but uh i i think where he's being valued this year um, you know is is a little bit he's being underrated I think and uh, I think there's a, a wide range of outcomes for Henry Ruggs this year so this is one of those teams I mentioned uh, at the start of this that uh, you know you, you look at the wide receiver core you actually try to figure out who the number one receiver is going to be now now with the Raiders it's slightly different because Darren Waller is going to be the leading I believe the leading receiver on this football team but when you look at the wide receivers themselves, you know, Nelson Aguilar actually had a really big season last year with Derek Carr, and, and he's gone. Uh, in comes John Brown. So you're looking at a receiving core of Ruggs, Renfro, Brian Edwards, the rookie from last year who was injured most of the season. Um, and and, and those, that's basically your receiving core. And, and John Brown obviously coming in from Buffalo. So, so when you look at those players... Um, so someone's going to be the, the second banana at the receiving position. And, and you mentioned Ruggs is the player on the list, and, and I have Ruggs listed as well. And I look at this team, and I can't quite figure out how – you know, if you told me that John Brown was going to be the lead receiver or Brian Edwards would be the leading wide receiver on this team, would I think you were crazy? No. But Henry Ruggs, again, was taken with the first pick uh, – was the first wide receiver taken, first pick taken by the um, Raiders in, in last year's draft. And, uh, yeah, he, he, he disappointed greatly uh, a couple of – he was able to catch for long ones, but this player was not used properly. I think, I think at times this offense is just, you know, a, there's a lot of head scratching that goes on when you watch this offense because there is talent on the offensive side of the football here. And Derek Carr actually had a very good season last year. He was very efficient. But, you know, I could see, I could see Henry Ruggs repeating what he did last year or really gaining confidence and, you know, having a normal preparation this year where he didn't have that last year and really taking that next step up. An intriguing choice, Wiz, and I am definitely in agreement with you there. Excellent. Excellent. So uh, what do you got next? Who's your uh, next player on your list? Well, the the next player I'm going to talk about is actually two players. Uh, So I, I can envision this situation turning into when we were talking about wide receiver duos last year uh, I, I think one of the duos that I thought was top five wide receiver duo uh, in the league was DK Metcalf and, and Tyler Lockett and that ended up being the case from a fantasy perspective uh, both of them ended up being in the top 10 uh, yes there was some inconsistency particularly later in the season with the Seahawk receivers but nonetheless 
They were both thousand-yard receivers. They both caught touchdowns, and you know, I, I I felt very strongly about that. And the two players I'm talking about here, which if you told me both of these guys were in the top seven or eight at the end of the season, would I be surprised? No. I think there's some downside, meaning that the chemistry isn't quite right. Deshaun Jackson becomes a bigger part of this offense than we give him credit for. But Matthew Stafford is now in Los Angeles Ram quarterback. I think you're going to see a different offense that's run by this team as a result of that. And I think you can make the case that both Robert Woods and, uh, and Cooper Cup could be top seven wide receivers coming into this season. Currently, they're ranked kind of between 15 and 20. That's the way I'm seeing them. Is there downside to them? Yeah, I think there's downside when, you know, okay, Van Jefferson is kind of going to move up the ladder here with Josh Reynolds moving on. You worry that there isn't going to be the chemistry that they're, that that was present when they had with, with um, previous quarterback and Jared Goff. But I think Matthew Stafford is a very different quarterback than, than Goff. I think this offense will look different as a result. And I could see the case of both of these guys being in the top seven. That's, that's a bold statement, but uh, that's kind of the way I'm looking at both Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, two very talented receivers who at times I think were set back by the, by the quarterback play of the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, so I mean, I, I won't um, I won't disagree that they're upside for either one of them. I, I'm not sure if I'm not sure if both can be in such supporting situations from Stafford that they both could be in the top ten, maybe. But certainly, you know, one can be in the top ten, and the other can be where he's ranked now. But when we're talking about wide range of outcomes, I'm curious. You know, because I don't see if either of those two players in terms of wide range, can they improve and better where a lot of people rank them? Yes. But, like, I don't see either guy having a floor lower than a wide receiver, too. I mean, do you, you see a trapdoor floor for either one of these guys? Well, there's two players, right? So I think there's a situation where you could see one really take over dominance where the, where the rapport with, with Stafford is there and with the other it's not. So, so I can see a situation where one of these guys can easily slip to a wide receiver three if that's the case. And like I said, Deshaun Watson plays a bigger part in this offense. Van Jefferson comes on a little bit more. Uh, they did draft Tutu Outwell as well. So, yeah, there, there are other situations here to watch. Uh, I, I could see, yeah, I could see either of these guys slipping to a wide receiver three but I think at the end of the day, both of them are going to be wide receiver ones. So which player are you more confident in, um, you know, not not falling out the trapdoor forward? And, you know, we, we, I know you, you mentioned both, and, you know, they've kind of both had uh, good, consistent year after year, but is, is there one of them more likely than the other that you think uh, could disappoint uh, or fall below where a lot of people rank them? Yeah, I think Cup has the bigger risk downside, I, 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 and I think Woods has the bigger risk upside. I, I just, just, just the way Matthew Stafford plays the position, what he's looking to do, uh, how they'll use Robert Woods in this offense, particularly when he rushes the ball as well. I think Robert Woods has m- more upside, and, and Cooper Cup has more of the downside. Okay, all right, interesting. I didn't have them on my list. I thought those are two like pretty rock solid guys, secure guys. You know, guys you could count on uh, that didn't have a wide range of outcomes, at least on my list. But uh, that's what uh, that's what makes it interesting is uh, different views and opinions. And I think, so and, and I think the one thing, the one, the one thing I would say, right? Like, I, I don't want to take chemistry lightly because the next receiver I'm going to talk about that I think was definitely impacted by chemistry last year, at least in my in, in my sight. So, so I think you know. You can't undersell what it means to kind of build a rapport. It's hard to do that in one off season, is what I would say. So, I, I 
agree with that, but I, I think like you know when you talk about a Sam Donald or a rookie quarterback taking over or or, or something like that, that's a lot different than a, than an elite talent like Matt Stafford coming in there. And yeah, you know, chemistry may be you know something that takes a little while, but uh, you know, I, I just I just think those two guys are are rock solid and uh, could they better their rankings? Yes, but uh, I will be the first one to give you uh, credit. Rest assured, if either of those two wide receivers are are not in the top 25 or so, but uh, I don't see it. But uh, but uh, you know I understand your point and uh, I respect what you're saying and uh, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, as far as my next receiver, you know, to your point about three wide receivers on a team trying to figure out the pecking order, and all three of the receivers on the Miami Dolphins. Um, are going to be drafted. There are unique, different situations. You got Jalen Waddle coming in with the experience of playing with Tua at Alabama. You have Devontae Parker, you know, having a year of playing with Tua on a professional level. And then you have the skill set of Will Fuller, who is an electrifying receiver coming in there and, uh, you know, going into last season, based the way he finished 2019, like Devontae Parker just seemed like a sure thing, and he had that good stretch with Fitzpatrick, and you just figured that thing was going to be built, and he he played well. Uh, he It looked like he was playing through injuries last year. But I'll tell you, this year, I'm not sure where to rank the player. I, I think there's some wide range of outcomes for Devontae Parker. Um, not only do you have to deal with the pecking order uh, of, of the wide receivers, but I'm not sure Miami – his offense and Tua is going to be the type of offense that is going to support three wide receivers being fantasy football relevant and having good years, unlike maybe what you might see in Dallas or Cincinnati. So um, I have Devontae Parker with a wide range of outcomes. I'm having difficulty ranking the player. Um, so I just am not sure what to do with him. I put him on my list. Can I see him as a wide receiver three this year? Yes. Can I see him just not being relevant at all and being outside the top 40 or 50? I can see that as well. So I have Parker on my list. I'm interested in hearing what your thoughts are on Parker and the receiving core for the Dolphins. So, you know, this goes back to what I said initially. I look at Miami, and that's one of those teams, as you mentioned, where I can't figure out how this is going to work out in terms of where two is going to, you know, where he's going to be looking most frequently. Uh, they also have a very gifted tight end in Mike Kosicki. Uh, so there, there are mouths to feed here. We've mentioned, too, guys like, you know, interesting hybrid guys like a Lynn Bowden Jr. And, and, and Jakeem Grant. There's a lot of speed on this offense, and I think a lot of players are going to be used. Devontae Parker's a little different than the speed guys on this team. He, he's the one bigger-bodied guy. We know what he did with Ryan Fitzpatrick two years ago. Uh, I don't think he had the same kind of energy and, and chemistry uh, with Tua, and I can easily situate, see a situation where, where Devontae Parker is very, very difficult to, to rank, and he's not even the top three or four receiver on this particular football team, but he could also be the number one receiver. So I think a very difficult player to rank, but he's one of those, he's one of those wide receivers. When I look at teams like Cincinnati, Jacksonville, Miami, Pittsburgh – Dallas, I, I can't figure out, Denver even, I can't figure out who the number one receiver will be on this team. Uh, so I think you're, you, you picked a good team, a, a team I definitely agree with that 
it, there is uncertainty in the player. Uh, so I definitely agree with you. I don't have him on my list, but I definitely agree that the range of outcomes on Devontae Parker are pretty wide. All right. So uh, who do you have next on your list? Who is the player you're going to talk about chemistry with? Yeah, so the, the next guy that I want to talk about is Chris Godwin. And this is a team with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Scotty Miller's there, Antonio Brown's there. They have tons of tight ends. Uh, O.J. Howard will be back along along with uh, along with Gronk. And I think it's a very difficult thing to predict what, what Chris Godwin will do. Two years ago, an, an amazing season in a very different offense. Last year, kind of battled injuries. I think they're, you know, I thought he was the player that would benefit from Tom Brady, didn't end up being the case last year I think there were times last year towards the end of the season when Antonio Brown was part of this roster that Brady was looking that way a lot uh, we know Brown is a mercurial guy and uh, at any point in time could mess up and he's got a pretty short leash on him but Chris Godwin I think you know they're still kind of trying to edge him into kind of that top 15 in the league right now I'm not quite sold on that just yet I think there is a range of outcomes where you know he could be that player that he was we thought he could be you know determined by kind of Brady's skill set, but a situation where, I mean, would I be shocked if, if, if at the end of the season, Chris Godwin's the number three receiver uh, on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I, I would say no. So I'm puzzled by how it kind of came together last year. And I, I come into this season with the same kind of head scratching that I did uh, watching that season evolve last year. So you, you see a scenario where Mike Evans, definitely, you know, I could see that one. And um, Antonio Brown uh, have better fantasy football seasons than uh, than Godwin this year. Yep. I mean, it's interesting. It's very, very interesting. Yeah, he definitely has a better rapport with Antonio Brown, and uh, yeah, I think uh, I think that that's that's an interesting one considering uh, where Godwin was ranked on a lot of people's boards last year. He was a top five, seven guy on everyone's board this year. Certainly more forgotten, but uh, yeah, I, I could certainly. Can you see him leading the Bucks in receptions and being the number one guy? Yeah, I could see that as well. Absolutely, just given yeah. that we're, we're going to see him in the slot a lot more, and and Brady throwing those short, sharp passes, kind of what he did with a player like Edelman. Yeah, I could see that being the case as well. Interesting, very, very interesting. Um, I'm going to go to um, the Indianapolis Colts where I have Michael Pittman on my list. Um, boy, do I love the way Pittman played down the stretch last year for the Colts in the playoff game. Uh, he looked like that guy. So now enters Carson Wentz. Will Carson Wentz have the same rapport with Pittman that he did have with a player like Alshon Jeffrey, a bigger type receiver, physical receiver, unlike any other receiver on the Colts roster, will he have that rapport and will he be, um, you know, fantasy football relevant this year within that offense? Or will Carson Wentz re- revert to the player that we saw the last year with the Eagles or the last couple of years where he's playing hero ball. He's not living the fight another day. He doesn't feel the pocket pressure, um, making, making erratic decisions, doing, doing things that are not within um, the, the, the offense to help a team, especially like the Colts who have a good defense and a great running game. Um, so I see a, a wide range of outcomes for Mike Pittman he has ability. I love the way he played down the stretch. Um, I think the report could be that he got with Alshon Jeffrey, and that would be dynamic. 
or I could just see, you know, Carson Wentz reverting back and, and Pittman just being another guy and, and not being fantasy football relevant uh, at all this year. So I see a wide range of outcomes for a player like Michael Pittman, who has great ability, but there are a lot of factors uh, going into what kind of a year he's going to have. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with any of them. Uh, again, you introduced a new quarterback. He, he wasn't on my list, but I, I, I do think this is a situation to watch. This is kind of an offense that will revolve around the running backs. Uh, you know, we, you've talked a, a lot about Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Naheem Hines is a big part of this offense, but uh, I, I think it's a good player to choose. Um, I, I do think that T.Y. Hilton has seen better days, but, you know, towards the end of last season, actually, T.Y. Hilton actually started to produce a little bit more in the offense. So there's a range of factors that contribute to it. I, I, do, I do agree with kind of your insight on the player. Uh, I own the player in, an, in, in a, in a, um, in a uh, dynasty league. It's a, it's a decision I have to, to make at some point in time whether I'm going to keep the player at a, at a relatively good price. You know, is this a player that can take that net stop, move up towards kind of a 1,000-yard receiver, uh, or do we see more of the same as, as a rookie? There's some inconsistency. The tight ends and the running backs kind of steal the thunder here. There's a lot of mouths to feed in the receiving core as well. Paris Campbell comes back from an injury. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's a tricky one. I, I, I think it's a good player to have on your list. All right. Uh, I only have one more wide receiver because uh, we talked about a bunch, uh, at least from, from my side. And uh, who, who's next on yours? Yeah, I, I have one more as well. And, and the player, again, is one of these teams where I can't quite figure out what's going to happen. He is the senior member of this triumvirate. Uh, it's the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, we look at the wide receiving core. Jamar Chase is there. Uh, T. Higgins last year had a very, very good season as a rookie. And then there's Tyler Boyd. I think Tyler Boyd is a player that's generally been overlooked almost every single year coming into drafts. I think the situation is a little bit more interesting this year. He's the, he's the senior guy here. He's probably the most dependable set of hands around. He's, that's been the case for the last few years where you know he, his catch rate is one of the highest in the league. Um, he seems to be perpetually undervalued, but it's a situation here where the Bengals will, will certainly be playing from behind a lot. Uh, it's an offense that you want to be involved in for sure, uh, but I can see a situation where Tyler Boyd is the number one receiver in this offense because of that dependability, and I can see the situation where he drops to number three banana in this group because of the dynamism of those two players like Jamar Chase, who, who, who Burrow played with in college, and T. Higgins, who had a very good rookie year. So I think a tricky player to rank, uh, Tyler Boyd has been that case for a number of years, and he certainly falls into that category for me this year. All right, so uh, Wiz unfortunately was cut off here. So I'll, I'll finish off the last guy that he has on his list. It was Darnell Mooney. Uh, he is a player that I actually own uh, in, in fantasy circles. I have him in the Dynasty League as well. Uh, look, there's a range of outcomes on this player. A lot of... A lot of that is going to be based on the quarterback and who's quarterbacking the team. So Dalton is here in Chicago. Uh, we, we know they drafted Fields from Ohio State, uh, a player that has already gotten some rave reviews. So there's a lot going on here with the situation around the Chicago Bears. Allen Robinson is back for another year, whether he's here long term. I think a number of things are going to be determining that, including what happens and if Fields is actually the quarterback and how things play out there. But Mooney's an intriguing guy at the end of the year. Mooney was receiving a ton of targets in this offense. Um, and again, down the 
on-the-field presence, speedy guy, and I think definitely impacted on whom is the quarterback. If it's if it's Andy Dalton all year long, I think it kind of limits the upside of Darnell Mooney. If you have a player like Fields tossing him the ball, you know, Darnell Mooney has big upside. Anthony Miller's kind of been cast aside in this offense. There aren't a, really a lot of options at the tight end position. It's Cole Komet, you know, again, a good player. But I think Darnell Mooney has the ability to, to definitely exceed. Uh, I, I don't excel, I should say. I don't have him on my list, but I think it's an intriguing pick, and I think a lot of it is depend upon, dependent upon who is the quarterback here. So, but unfortunately, Wiz got cut off. That's my view. I think it's a good choice. Uh, Darnell Mooney was very interesting if you look at the way he finished up the season. Anyway, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, we are on Spotify, we're on SoundCloud, and we're on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we want you to listen to this podcast uh, as you prepare for your season. And uh, we are going to do more of this as we go through each and every position. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. We will be back with the tight end position. Enjoy talking to you about this subject. Have a great day, everybody.